they crowded in around his bedside. The room was small and cramped, tighter and tighter, trying to get close, wanting to say goodbye, taking a minute to pray. The doctors had given up. He'd struggled for days. His time had come. And with each labored breath, hope seemed to seep out of the walls and leave the house. Almost everyone was there, but they were missing somebody important. The preacher still wasn't there. The pastor didn't make it. Suddenly he was gone. Fears realized, tears shed, sadness. Couldn't this have been different? Why did God let this happen? We're so sad and we miss our friend, we miss our brother. You know, sometimes when we hear Bible stories, they just seem like words on a page. And sometimes we don't really go there and live in the moment. That story could have been from something happening yesterday somewhere in the world. But this story is here in the Bible. It really happened to a guy named Lazarus. And that preacher is Jesus. So let's look at why Jesus didn't show up and what we can do with that in our life. So just real quick about me. Um, I've been in youth ministry for about nine years now. I love it. I think you guys are the best. Um, I have people go, how can you work with teens? I'm like, how can you not? They're great. You guys have great questions. You have tons of energy. And you're at this stage of life where you're beginning to figure out what you believe for yourselves. Why am I here at church? Why am I here in the world? Do I believe in this Jesus I've been hearing about from mom and dad and from the pastors? Or have I just been kind of going along to get along? This is your time. You get to decide that stuff. So it's a very exciting time for you and your life. And I hope you realize that it's an exciting time for us as others who love you and want to pour into you and share Christ's love with you because it's all up to you. You get to make your own personal choice. We're going to look at some choices right now. As we look in um, John chapter 11, that's where the story of Lazarus is found. Um, Lazarus and his two sisters, Mary and Martha, they're good friends with Jesus. But Jesus isn't in town right now. They live in Bethany right outside of Jerusalem, about two miles. And Jesus, of course, has been traveling and teaching and sharing the good news all over Israel. Lazarus gets sick, really, really sick. Not like, hey, it's flu season, but like, you know, this is, this is really bad. And they send for Jesus. They send for help. They're like, hey, Lord, we want you to come. Lazarus is really sick. They've seen him heal people. Maybe he can make it better. Maybe he will make it better. Jesus gets the news, and Jesus runs down the road to Bethany. Jesus waits. Two days, stays in the place where he is before he begins the journey back. So Mary and Martha are there with their friends, with their extended family, with Lazarus, 
hoping that help is going to arrive, hoping that Jesus is going to make it. Jesus doesn't arrive before Lazarus dies. That's hard. Guys, I'd love to tell you that everything in life is perfect and fun and that everything feels like in the moment that it happens a blessing. You may already know that that's not true. I hope that your life is just that perfect. But you know what? Sometimes it's not. We have to look and say, what do we do with this? Who can we trust? Where do we go? So Jesus, as he's responding, he takes this extra time. He doesn't show up. And we say, Lord, why? Why wouldn't you be there? And when he finally comes, Lazarus is already gone. Jesus knows that, right? And spoiler alert, if you haven't heard the story of Lazarus, he's coming back, okay? So relax. But here's the deal. Mary and Martha don't know that. And Martha goes out to meet him as he's coming in, and she's like, Lord, I wish you would have been here. If you would have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. She sees, she recognizes, God, you have this kind of power. Jesus talks to her, and they, they, uh, it says, you know, Lazarus will rise again. And she's like, yeah, yeah, I know. Like, there's heaven, there's an afterlife. We can all have eternal life. That's wonderful, but right now it hurts. Right now it's hard. So we're going to look into that conversation, and we're going to look into some of the principles that we can see, because I would definitely tell you, first of all, that God's timing and God's solutions sometimes are different than our own, because they were praying for Lazarus to get well. Jesus had another plan, but they couldn't see it. Sometimes we're limited, right, by our perspective. Every morning I get up and I open my eyes and I look at the world through these two, these two eyes that God gave me. They're brown. They don't have very good vision. I wear contacts. I would be just about blind without them. And I see the world through these two eyes that God gave me. That's the perspective in which I get to see it, right? Well, guess what? We all kind of approach our own world from that perspective. We see the world. We say, hey, this is the way things are because that's what I can see. This is what I've experienced. And that's not always bad, but that's not all there is. God's timing is different than ours. You may have felt that in your life already. Isaiah 55, 8 says, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. And that's not God talking down to you. That's God letting you know, I love you, I'm your friend, but I'm still God. Infinite knowledge, infinite power. And while he's given us a mind to reason and to think and to love correctly, we can't do it completely. We can't do it on his level. That's a whole other thing. Sometimes also, when we pray, when we're dealing with something, going through something hard, sometimes the answer is no. You've probably experienced that in your life. You've probably been through something where you're like, I wish something were different. Lord, please let me get an A. You know, or, um, you know, please let me get this Christmas present. Or please let so-and-so be my best friend. Like, there's all kinds of things from things that we say, well, they're kind of important in the moment or of lifetime importance. And sometimes the answer is no. Right? Mary and Martha wanted Lazarus to be healed. Was Lazarus healed? 
He wasn't. Sometimes the answer is just no. That doesn't mean that God doesn't love you, and that doesn't mean that God doesn't have a plan for your life. We're going to see that Jesus had a plan even in speaking to Mary and Martha. What I want you to kind of grab hold of is in the midst of as you go through life, hopefully right now life is smooth sailing, but I don't know that for you because this is my first time to get to see you guys. Maybe things are just smooth and perfect. Maybe you're in the middle of a storm and everybody knows it. Maybe you're in the middle of a personal storm and nobody knows it. But the fact of the matter is, storms do come from time to time. But I want you to grab and hold of the perspective that Jesus promises us in Romans 8, 28, that all things work together for good, those who love God. Not that all things are good or fun to experience. I've definitely experienced things that were not very fun. I definitely experienced things that were not good. And you can look around in the world around you and see that there are things that just aren't right, that don't match up with what God's word says. But God says that he has the power in the midst of letting people make choices, in the midst of things going wrong, that he can still use all those things for his good and for his glory. And we can lean in to that promise. The other thing I want you to see as you look at this story with Lazarus He's having this conversation with Martha, and then they, uh, Martha you know, says, yes, Lord, I believe. I believe that you're the, the Savior who's coming to the world. And they finish the conversation, and other people are there with Jesus, and he's coming in, and she slips off to go get Mary. And she does that, and then Jesus comes and talks to Mary. And we see three times in the chapter that Jesus is deeply moved. He's moved by everyone's sorrow by their sadness by their tears it's real and when I first read the passage I gotta tell you I'm going wait why is Jesus so sad Jesus knew Lazarus was gonna die Jesus let Lazarus die and Jesus knows that he's gonna bring Lazarus back yay happy ending what why is Jesus why is Jesus sad do you know the shortest verse in the whole Bible Jesus wept right if you didn't know that one, congratulations, you memorized your scripture verse for the week, John eleven thirty five. 35. So Jesus wept. Was Jesus in physical pain? No. Did Jesus not know how it was going to end? No, he knew what he was going to do. The second point I want you to hear and I want you to take with you, and I think it is so important, we have a Savior who suffers with us. You have a Savior who will cry with you who hurts with you in Hebrews in the book of Hebrews in uh, chapter 4 verse 15 it says that we have for we have not a high priest that cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities but one that hath been in all points tempted like we are yet without sin so let us approach the throne of grace with confidence it's wonderful that our Lord lived it and connects with us on a level that we might not experience anywhere else. I hope that you have a fantastic circle of friends, people that you can count on, people who are there for you. But I gotta tell you, sometimes it feels like we are all alone. But you have a God who can relate. And you have a promise 
from our Lord that you're never alone. In the Old Testament, in Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 6, right as Moses is kind of giving a final um, speech to the people before they go into the promised land, he says, be strong and courageous, you know, and fear not for the Lord your God is with you and that your God will never leave you or forsake you. He won't leave you or forsake you. He is going to be with you. There are times in your life that are going to be tough. There are times in your life, maybe it's now, I don't know. I hope you never, ever, ever believe that you're alone. You have people here who love you, but I want you to know we're imperfect. But Jesus, Jesus is always there for you. Jesus will never leave you. Jesus doesn't ever give up. His love is unrelenting. So, where I want to transition the story, if you look at John 11 and you hear about the way Jesus is interacting with Mary and Martha, he sits, he's, he's talking with Martha and he says, you know, I am the resurrection and the life. And anyone who believes in me, though you are dead, yet he will live. And a lot of times we cut off the passage right there, but I want you to have verse 26, the last bit of verse 26 in John 11, where it says, do you believe this? And Martha gets a chance individually to respond. We haven't heard much from her in the book of John in terms of her uh, relationship with Jesus and what she believes. Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Savior who's come into the world. She gets a chance to respond. And the cool thing is you do too. As you look at this story and as you look at God's timing being a little bit different or God's version of a solution being different than what we think of, I want you to also look and say, I have a God who will suffer with me, who will cry with me, who will stay with me through the hard times. But I want you to hear and I want you to see that you have a God who still saves. Jesus still saves. What Jesus did on the cross, and I know you're all well aware, was of the utmost importance. He came to earth to live the perfect life, to die on that cross, to give his life for us because we're less than perfect. We need to be rescued. Jesus has already done that. That's in the past. No change in it. It's there for you. What I love is that love is there. And so then the question is, as you look at, as you look at the passage and you hear that response, do you believe this? Not Martha. Do you believe this? It's the right time of your life to be looking and deciding for yourself what you believe about God, what you believe about the Bible, what you believe about this whole church thing. Because there are tons of great things to do in your life, and you can do wonderful, um, good works in the community. You can come and ha- eat pizza and play Nine Square. There's tons of great stuff. But there's something deeper. And it's that relationship with Jesus Christ that you can choose to have. Many of you may have already asked Jesus into your heart. But there's a couple different types of rescue. How many of you have ever been rescued? Just curious. Anybody been rescued? Like, you know, somebody saved your life or something like that. Yeah, there's, there's some hands. 
I would love to hear those stories. That would be awesome. Pretty cool that that person was there for you in that moment. I'm going to tell you a little story um, from my life. So when I was about six years old, I was out at Galveston with my parents. I have a younger brother. He's about uh, four, he's four years younger than me, so he's about two-ish. And so he's up on the beach with mom, and dad's got me out in a big inflatable raft, and we are riding the breakers. We are riding the surf, man. It is choppy. It is fun. I've always been a little crazy. It sounds great. We are having a blast out there. He's pulling it. We're out probably deeper than we should be, and we are just riding the waves. And there's a lot of power in water, isn't there? We've seen that with things like Hurricane Harvey this past year. One of those waves, one of those breakers flipped that raft completely, and I disappeared in that beautiful Galveston water. <laughs> it was still that bad in the 80s, at least, guys. So when, when I'm underwater in that nasty, nasty water, can't, I open my eyes, can't really see anything. If you've ever tried, I don't recommend it. It burns. You can't really see. Here's the other problem at the moment. I can't breathe because I'm underwater, right? Well, swim. Good news, I can swim. Bad news, I go up. Smack. I can't, I can't breathe. Smack. Where, what am I hitting my head on? I must be under the raft. I'm wearing out. I'm only six. The waves are heavy. I stick my mouth up underneath the raft where there's this, that little bit of air, right? Catch a little breath, duck back down, try to get out from underneath the raft. I'm now exhausted, right? The adrenaline's pumping. You're scared. It's really scary when you can't breathe really fast. And all of a sudden, my head shoots up through the water. I feel the sun. I see it shine bright down. And I can't even say my dad's name or anything. I just, and reach up. And you know, as I reach out, you know what happens? Before I can even see my dad, I've been yanked up out of the water. And I'm being carried back to shore in my father's arms. There are different kinds of rescue. The first and most important is, I hope you already have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I hope that you've already asked Jesus into your heart. Something else that happened for me at age six was that I got on my knees and prayed and asked Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of my life. I remember that moment very clear. So you've already had that moment that's wonderful, and I'm glad that you did that, and I'm glad that you have Jesus in your heart. I'm glad that you chose to love him back. But if you haven't done that yet, if you were like, no, it wasn't the right time for me, or no, I wasn't sure, I don't believe that, maybe this time is your time. Maybe tonight is the night. Because the question is not, does Jesus love you? The question is, do you love Jesus back?
His loving you won't ever change. It doesn't matter what you've ever said or done or thought or planned, who you are, where you've been. His love is constant. You can rely on it. You can lean into that. But there's different kinds of saving. Maybe you already have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Maybe what you need is a rescue, a saving of a different type. Maybe that rescue is at home. Like, just you. Nobody else knows about it, but you're struggling with stuff. There's, there's real stuff that goes on in life. Maybe, maybe you're struggling with feelings of depression or all kinds of things. Maybe you're going, no, I can't, I can't tell anybody. I want you to know that you have a God who loves you, who cries with you, who has a solution for you, and who's ready to save you, to rescue you. Maybe it's something else at home. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's with mom or dad. Maybe it's with a brother or sister. Maybe your family is blended and maybe things are perfect or maybe there's some things where you catch a little friction and it's not quite the way you want it. I don't know. Because I'm not at home with you guys. I don't know that part of your story. But I know who does know. And I know that Jesus loves and cares about that situation. There is nothing in your life that you can say, oh, it's not a big enough deal. No, he knows. He cares. He loves you. Maybe it's at school. Maybe where you need rescue is at school. More than just your grades. Maybe it's, maybe it's the way uh, the interaction goes. Maybe, maybe you're the one at the lunch table by yourself. Maybe, um, maybe you're being bullied. Maybe, maybe there's all kinds of things going on. Maybe you didn't make um, the grades you wanted. Maybe you didn't make the team that you wanted. Maybe middle school is a breeze. I hope it is. I don't know. But what I do know is no matter what happens, Jesus is there for you at school too. Maybe it's in your friendships, whether it's here at church or at home. Maybe in some of those friendships you go, man, something isn't right. We used to be close. We're no longer close anymore. I really miss my best friend. That thing happened and we never, we never were able to make it right. Maybe that's where you need to ask for rescue. Maybe that's where you need to pray that God would breathe life back into that relationship. I'll tell you right now, his love is powerful. His solutions and his timing might be different than what you expect. But you are in such good hands with our Lord. I think what it comes down to is are you willing to ask for help? something I struggle with, guys. Asking for help is not the thing that I'm best at. If I was making a list, it wouldn't be at the top. You know why it's hard to ask for help? Because we have to admit, we have to be vulnerable. We have to say, I can't do this on my own. That can be hard for some of us, to put ourselves out there like that. The first person to ask is Jesus. I hope you'll also ask your parents. God gave them to you for a reason. God gave them to you on purpose. Or maybe ask one of our great leaders here. We have wonderful small group leaders and pastors, people who give of their time because they care about you and they care about what Jesus means to you. So I hope if you need help, you'll ask. Because there's so many people who are praying for you and who care about you. 
So one more little bit about me. You know how I said sometimes there are storms and sometimes things are smooth. I've been in both kinds of situations. Not just literal storms, but there's other storms, like in your life, things that can go on. I have been married for nine years, and my wife is my best friend, Lauren. We've known each other 25 years, so a very long time. And you're going, oh, my goodness, how old is he? I, we were, we were in, I was in middle school when I met her. So it was a long, long time ago. We have three kids. And we said, wow, this is wonderful. We love our boys. But we thought, I think we're finished having kids. Three's a good number. We're happy. This is great. Our house is full. Um, we have an eight-year-old, Tristan, and we have twin two-year-olds. Twins. Maverick and Pierce, little tornadoes. They are amazing. They are destructive. They are so much fun. But because of that, we're like, I, I, think, I think we're good. And God said no. All of a sudden, we're expecting another baby. And we're like, wow, okay, you know what? Let's get excited about this. We've got another kid coming. Maybe it's one, two, or three. We don't know. We don't know what God's doing. And then we said, and people would go, well, you have three boys. You know, what would you like? And we're like, we, we just love our baby to be healthy. Um, I mean, I guess a girl would be nice because we've got three boys. That would add some variety to the house. Mom's feeling kind of alone. And God said, no. We have a boy, another boy coming. Um, baby Nolan will be here soon. Then we go, well, really, we're thankful that God's blessing us, and really we want a healthy baby. God said no. Nolan has Down syndrome, and Nolan has a hole in his heart. Nolan's going to, from what the doctors have told us, going to require heart surgery twice in the first 12 months of his life. You know how many surgeries, period, I've had in my whole life? Zero. I mean, if you count wisdom teeth, then okay, fine. But, but no surgeries. He's going to have two heart surgeries in the first year. That's intense. And that's something that as a dad, like, I love him and I want to take that on for him or take that from him or make it better, and I can't. I can't fix it. Instead, I have to say, I need help. I need rescue. But you know what God did say in the midst of all that? About his timing being different, maybe his solutions being different, maybe that the answer sometimes is no. I know that I have a Savior who loves me. I know that I have a Savior who loves Nolan, who has a plan for Nolan's life. And it might be different than we pictured originally, but he's got a plan in mind. And I have to learn to lean in and trust that plan. So things don't always end the way you think, or things don't always go exactly how you plan. But I want you to know there's a bigger plan involved, and you're part of it. And God loves you in the midst of it. I hope that you will trust that he has that plan for your life. And I hope you will do the same way that I did out in the Gulf of Mexico. Reach out. I hope that you'll get that help that you need. Whether it's from our Lord, which we all need. Whether it's from your volunteers, your parents. But I hope you'll reach out. Nolan will be born tomorrow. They are inducing my wife, Lauren, in the morning. And so I'd love for you guys to pray with me.
as we close in prayer. But I hope that you remember that just as Jesus had a plan for Lazarus, in the midst of everything that they were going through, he has a plan for you. No matter what that is, no matter if you're struggling right now or you've been through something in the past or you're about to go through something, I want you to know that he's there for you. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray that the truth of God's word is both encouraging and uplifting to you. If you'd like more information about our church, service times, or locations, or if you have a question about what you heard today and you want to connect with someone, I want to encourage you to visit us on our website at championforest.org. Have a great day and God bless.